expectation, luxurious accommodations. The reality, more like a disaster relief campsite. A secluded private island getaway? Nope, just minutes away from a sandals resort on Great Exuma, Bahamas, and the gourmet meals provided by celebrity caterer Steven Starr, exchanged for these plain cheese sandwiches and salad after the chef backed out. One attendee posting to Twitter, this is how Fire Festival handles luggage. Just drop it out of a shipping container at night. It was over before it really began. The site of what was supposed to be a music fest in paradise on lockdown. VIP guests stranded after paying thousands of dollars for an island getaway turned disaster, now home. We get there, I decide I'm gonna save myself here and you, you immediately know exactly what to do, right? Because this survival mechanism kicks in. In 2017, entrepreneur Billy McFarlane and self-proclaimed hip-hop mogul Ja Rule set out to create the most epic, exclusive and high-end music festival of all time. What followed was a series of escalating lies and deception leading to broken promises, shattered dreams and incarceration. Welcome to another special feature episode of Midnight Double Feature and on this episode I'm going to be joined by a good friend of the show Jill Reid as we discuss the debacle that was the Fire Festival. to another special feature episode of Midnight Double Feature. Um, this is a, this is actually a special one because we've been trying to line up an episode together for a very long time and we, we only just uh, settled on timetables and the actual subject. And uh, I'm here with Jill. Jill, how you doing, man? Oh my God, I can't believe this either. Seriously, we're finally <laughs> here together. <laughs> Holy fuck. Like this is we've been okay, so the podcast is a year a year old next next month. Like that is crazy. Yay! Um, but it's like literally as from the start. As, yeah, as soon as you told <laughs> as soon as you told me you were gonna have a podcast talking about like film and TV shows, I was like, Zoe, I'm gonna be on your podcast. And then yeah. <laughs> Taking yeah. this long. It just never materialized. And no. it just like it was honestly just like one of those uh oh I'm busy this day and I'm busy that yeah. day. And then what are we gonna talk about? And I don't like Marvel um, movies. Oh my god, all the podcast is gonna <laughs> hate me now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 fine, man. Like that's that's what Matt's here for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Matt Matt loves Marvel for the both of us, so don't worry about it. Exactly. Um, so I guess I'll just start off with how I know you just briefly, right? So sure. how do you know um, how do I know you? Oh, no, uni. No. So we started yeah. <laughs> together very briefly, but not really together at all. Uh, more mm. like through mutual friends uh, when we were at uni together. So it was really like, I don't think we even had a class together, really. No, right? I don't think so either. Can you, no. can you remember like one memory? Because only because I have one of like when, because we were always quite like friendly because like we would see each other, like like you said, mutual friends. But do you have one memory where you're like, oh, okay, I can talk to her about like this kind of stuff or we can, we have this in common, like kind of thing or, or just like a fond memory or something like that. Jill, I forget what I did this morning. So you're going to have to, <laughs> you're going to have to remind me. <laughs> I only say that because like, I remember this one time at a bar, I even think it was, 
Um, because like we saw each other out and we'd go drinking all this kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. and that's cool. Without without mutual friends, yeah. Yeah, but then like I remember, um, I think it was even after, uh, either because I've got such a bad memory too. It was either after. I think it was even after my film or oh God, I'm trying to, no, it was after our mutual friends graduation. We went to a bar, I'm pretty sure. And then it just so happened that orange is the new black season. Like, I don't know, the good, <laughs> the good one finished. And we just happened to talk about the ending of orange is the new black while everyone's like having drinks, talking about their life and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, saying like all my theories and whatever else. And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. And then you were saying all your theories. I'm like, okay. He's the dude I go to to talk about. <laughs> was it was it sidebar? Was that where we went? Was that? Oh God, I can't. Was, I really can't remember. It was remember. some bar in UTS. <laughs> New yeah, UTS. Okay. I well, yeah. I, I really, I legit can't remember. But I, I do, I do like like vaguely remember because like that happens with me all the time. Like yeah. whenever oh, like okay, I sorry. unlock, yeah. Not like, that whatever. memorable. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> That's not what I mean. Cool. No, I get it. No, it's no, cool. no. It's fine. No, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, 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 seriously, that happens so fucking often. <laughs> I'm sure it happens often to you as well. When it's just like yeah. you unlock like a a thing, oh, it's like, oh shit, it. this is like a mutual thing, right? Because like you're like so you're obviously into film and TV show like myself, and I love it when like people casually talk to me about their favorite TV show. And they'll be like, oh, I just got into this TV show. It's called Friends kind of thing. <laughs> well, that, that's, what, that's what TV shows feel like to me. So if like like uh, every TV show that I kind of watch, I'll watch it like three or four or five times, like over and over again if I really like it. So when someone comes up to me and they start talking about like, oh, I just got into this TV show and this happens and that happens, I'm like, I know what you're talking about. I know the story. I know the plot twists. I know like right. the cinematography. I know what you're talking about kind of thing. So I always feel like I'm the crazy one when people come talk to me. So to have someone on the same level <laughs> is, crazy. Like, is always yeah. a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, I totally know what you mean, man. Like, cause there's this, there's just this, like, like you're on the same level. Like when someone comes up to you and you're, and they're like, mm. do you remember this plot test in that TV show? And I'm just like, yeah, I live that plot twist, man. Like, <laughs> um, but like, seriously, we've, we've bounced so many ideas back and forth. Like you yeah. and I are office aficionados. Like we yes. love the office. Yeah. So, I remember in the early days we were like wanting to like cover the office somehow, yeah. like non nine seasons. We'll still I'm just figure like, it out. We'll still yeah, we'll we'll figure it out, guys. Don't worry about it. We'll get there. And then like, and this is like a little teaser, but not really. Um, we will for sure do a Game of Thrones episode before oh, that sure. before that shit drops in April for sure. To. And hey, if you need if listeners want to request, I talk about the character arc of Michael Scott for an hour. I'm happy to do so. <laughs> Like I'm down with that. I can do I'll that. I'll talk about Dwight. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Damn it. All right, that is cool. a good one. Um, talk to me. Just talk to me quickly about Jolt. Okay. So Jolt is really because I felt like I started to post a bit like of my favorite TV shows and stuff like that on my personal account, and a few. I feel like I just wanted to separate my own face to reviews, and I honestly. Like, look, we can get really deep into this and figure out the psychology of why. But I just wanted hey, to, like, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to, like, not have an association with association with my face or name or anything like that with my like reviews. I didn't want it to be like judge my character based on these reviews. I just want it to be like this is uh, a review or this is an opinion of a TV show or a film that's coming up and blah blah blah. 
So that's kind of why I created Jolt. And um, Jolt for me was just like um, just this word or name that like I just really I actually found or came across it in uni. Um, it was kind of like a pseudonym that I would even put on. <laughs> Fucking hell, I sound so freaking artsy. Oh, I would, put, I would put it on. You're like, on a podcast. <laughs> I Realize where you are. With, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would put like created by Jolt or whatever else on like some of my like films I would make for university and stuff like that. Um, I don't really even know why. I just like finding like cool words or names for things. And Jolt for me just stood for like, well, Jolt, like when you watch something and you get like, kind of like ASMR before ASMR was around. That's what I associated right, yeah. like Jolt with. Like, for, cause for me, TV is like my ASMR. Like I would fall asleep watching like friends as a teenager because it was just like my ASMR. Um, when you're watching game of Thrones, I recently just re was rewatching game of Thrones and the battle of bastards. Like, the, like you're sitting at the edge of your chair and then like when those horses just come together and they just like clash and you just get this jolt of like, even like an electric or like a vibe in your body, that's kind of like what TV like is for me. It's that like jolting of like your that emotions. shooting moment. Yeah. yeah. Like, holy fuck, this is incredible. Yeah. Oh, like, like, oh my God, I was watching, we'll go off topic again, but I was watching Game of Thrones yeah, and I was just laughing to myself. We haven't even like, introduced the, the, the topic, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But I was just watching Game of Thrones recently and I was just like, every so often when a scene ended, I was just laughing and clapping to myself being like, oh, I can't believe this TV is being made kind of thing. So, and so yeah, that's my relationship with TV and that's why I like it. That's where the whole Jolt thing is coming from. But now it's kind of the Instagram page has kind of just turned to, I watch a lot of British panel shows. They're def- definitely my guilty pleasures. They're just, I love British humor, comics and all that kind of stuff. So my Jolt Instagram page recently has just turned into quotes <laughs> from my favorite British shows. So it's about it, but I just love these people. <laughs> And Richard Aoadi is like my muse. So, but yeah. And then oh I'm, my god! <laughs> <laughs> you meet Maurice Moss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, he's a great. No, muse. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I love. I love. I, I do love British comedy. Like, yeah. Um, our our mutual friend. Uh, what we'll, we'll fucking name him? Chris. <laughs> Chris. Chris. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like we used to watch uh, Faulty Towers. Like seriously, oh my we god. just. I grew up watching that. Like, same. You'd, yeah. like yeah, as a toddler, I would watch that. Yeah, and my dad used to watch it when he was like yeah. fucking in Fiji and shit. He's like, wow. "This was my like, uh, like That's my crazy. I would watch this." And I'm just like, "Man!" And like the the comedy in that is just so top notch. Um, <laughs> so you've got that. You've got you've got in betweeners as well. You've got like obviously the British in betweeners. Like, no, I'm not talking oh, about the yeah, US one. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that. Uh, and then IT crowd. That trio for me, man. Holy shit. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. So um, let's introduce the topic for this episode. Um, Go for it. So we are talking about the Fire Festival. Um, if you guys haven't heard of this, this shit is wild. You need um, to like people have definitely heard about this. Like if you're on Reddit, yeah. if you're on Netflix, if you're on YouTube, like Twitter, yeah. like it's gone crazy. Yeah, if you've seen a random photo of a guy in a red sweater and with kind of like graying hair, uh, <laughs> like that, that that relates to the fire festival. If you haven't seen it or you haven't heard about it, um, there are two great documentaries that came out uh, in tandem, and that's why it's kind of like in the spotlight right now. So those documentaries are called Fire Fraud, which released on Hulu uh, in January, and uh, Netflix released Fire. Um, with the subtitles, the greatest party that never happened on in January as well. So definitely check those out. 
Um, Jill, you've seen, like, before we start, you've seen both of them. I've only seen the one from Netflix, but um, talk to me about, like, the differences between the two and whether the, the Hulu one is actually worth watching, because I definitely think the Netflix one is definitely worth watching. Yeah, um, I saw the five, the Netflix one first, and honestly, amazing documentary. It was insane. I thought, like, the oh, yeah. motion, like, the whole story, how they did it, it was just a great... <laughs> A great example, if you're not someone that likes documentaries or you're not someone that really like gets into even reality TV or movies, this is a great like you can't, I think no everyone would like this because it's got personal interest, it's got the disaster yeah. and it's just It's a bit fun. like a gateway drug. Like it's yeah. you know what I mean? You know like what? it's a good it's introduction. Just, it's fun to watch cuz like no thankfully no one gets severely like Right. injured so it's just a fun thing to watch some certain people fail um but yeah the, <laughs> the main difference i felt with the netflix and the hulu one was um especially the first like half hour of the hulu one felt a lot um more of like a profile piece so if you're more into if you really are into documentaries and you prefer either performative or um performance uh, profile pieces or anything like that this is definitely like a profile piece or even if you're looking to study maybe a profile piece for university or college or anything like that this is a great one to do for a profile piece because it's more centered on billy um even though obviously you know, he did fire festival. So there's obviously a lot about the fire festival in his companies and the people oh, that we'll, were affected. We'll get to Billy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's definitely more of a profile piece. And I think just, uh, it's more like the Netflix one. It's a emotive. It's definitely emotive. And we'll talk about, I don't know if you, you know too much about this, like the production people behind the Netflix, um, production as well and there's a reason why there's such amazing footage on the netflix one and why maybe the hulu one it's more like talking heads interview kind of vibe that kind of like yeah profile kind of piece i'd say um just a heads up i don't know much about the <laughs> behind the scenes production of the netflix one like i just watched it like an idiot yeah. and i was just like this is cool um but <laughs> well, no seriously can, like yeah it's it's just because like um i when i see this is the thing, this is what I was talking to you about when someone comes up to me and they say, Oh, have you watched this? I'm like, yes. And I've done extensive research behind it. I've read the IMDP page and I know all the three most popular actors in it. I know the kids' names, the <laughs> right. dogs' names. And yeah, so this is. <laughs> exactly. No, seriously, I'm not even kidding. Like the last like two girlfriends that I've had, like they've always just a bit like, Oh, you're, you, you know, weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> like they're just like, you, you know, strange things. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, because like every time I go to the movies, I'm like, yeah, so this guy directed that and directed yeah. this, and then like, yeah, but yeah, what? Well, yeah. no, so seriously, I think I think it's gonna work really well um, with this episode because um, I I I know I know a lot. Well, I want to think I know quite a bit about the Fire Festival in general, but mm. I don't know enough about the behind the scenes of the documentaries, which. I'm so glad that you do know. So oh, um, let's let's not get hopes too. <laughs> let's 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 not uh, let's yeah count our that. chickens right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I do want to talk about like how I came across the documentary. So mm. I just come back from soccer training after a whole day of work, and I was like super super fucking tired. By the mm. way, guys, we covered this um, documentary. Matt and I uh, we did like a little review of it a couple episodes ago. So. Um, if you want to hear Matt's thoughts on it, um, you can just go back a couple episodes. I'm sure it's titled in there somewhere. I don't know. I'm too lazy to say it. But, um, but yeah, so I, I literally, 
Oh, I'd heard about it and I was just like sat down at 11 p.m. and I had work the next day, right? I had to wake up at like 5.30. So I was like, you know what? I'll just watch like half an hour of this and see how I go. And dude, I watched like all like an hour and 40 minutes, like the whole thing. And I was like, I am so fucking engrossed in this thing, man. Like it is, it was so good. Because like, I think for me, um, I was telling you off air, I've been so into um, documentaries lately Mm. and like Netflix have just been pumping them out, pumping them out. Yeah, and like mm. lately, I've been watching um, the one I've been watching right now is the Ted Bundy one, which is which is pretty yeah. good. Have you been watching and it alone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a male. You're a female. You're oh, the target. Yeah. You're, you're oh, yeah, literally yeah, yeah, the target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, mate. Uh, I don't think I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's too attractive. But anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't know. I haven't watched All it, right. so I can't. It's one I, thing I, I haven't I recommend watched. it. I recommend okay. it, but. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, most of my documentary watching is true crime because that's also what I'm into as well. Like, yeah. I listen to true crime podcasts and things. So um, it was really, really interesting to watch something like a documentary that wasn't true crime based um, and it was really, really well done, like in, in an emotional way. Um, I did I did watch another documentary that wasn't a true crime documentary called uh, Icarus. Um, have you heard of oh, that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, it won the Oscar a couple of years ago. Um, it was about like doping in, um, mm. in 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 the cycle in the cycling world, and it's all about like conspiracy and Russia and shit. It's actually pretty damn good. So check mm. it out if you yeah. But um, yeah, this I was like totally engrossed in this. But how'd you how'd you come across um the the docos in the first place? How to like find it? Yeah, well, how'd you hear about Fire Festival? Like, did you know I, about Fire Festival? No, so I don't have a Twitter, and that's where I think most of like the like memes and the jokes and the like trolling and all mm, that kind of stuff yeah. came from. But of course, everything like trickles down eventually to like either Reddit or Instagram and stuff like that. And I think even like, um, and people were talking about it. I feel like because it happened in was it 2017? It happened. Yeah, 2017. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think I I do remember like people talking about it, like just in reference, like like talk shows. You know, would make jokes about like, oh, this presidential campaign is the next fire festival, or like you know, they would just make like reference to like fire festival. But I didn't really know about it. Funnily enough, like um, the main reason or not the main reason, but the main way I came to like actually just Google it uh, was um, after TanaCon when a lot of the uh, people f- like from TanaCon or like from Shane's videos about TanaCon or people like on YouTube, whatever, I saw a lot of the comments being like TanaCon was the YouTube fire festival and I was kind of like and everyone was posting about like Tanacon's the fire festival Tanacon's the fire festival and I was like what is this fire festival like that I've kind of that sounds familiar but I don't 100% know what it is so yeah I googled it and I found out it was like this festival that didn't go ahead and blah blah and I didn't really think much of it but then like I remembered it and then this doco came out and like Netflix like it was like this big promotion kind of thing and like you said, I've been watching a few docos recently. So I was like, all right, I'll give this a go. It's only an hour and a half. It's not too long either. Um, I think it's like an hour and a half about. Yeah, and, it's pretty short. Yeah. And it was just so consumable. Like you said, it was just like, it was just, I didn't even, I don't, because my expectations was like, I've heard of this. It was about some like failed 
festival that I don't know too much about. Let's give it a watch. And it was just so like it drew you in. It told you everything like it educated you about what fire festival was. So even if you're like me, didn't really know what it was or anything like that, you don't really need to do much research on it. Um, and it just like, yeah, brought you in. And I only knew about the Hulu one cause you mentioned it. Um, cause I don't really watch Hulu. <laughs> so yeah. No, same. <laughs> but yeah, like I think, I think the big like challenge is like, even because obviously like music festival goers, that's kind of like a niche audience, right? So mm. if you set out to make a documentary about a music festival, like you're already kind of segregating your audience. But like, I think, I think they did such a great job of like, you know, even if you have never been to a music festival, you can like appreciate how big of a debacle this thing is. Oh man. Yeah. If you've ever organized an event before, yeah, yeah. (laughs) whether it be your your, like work Christmas party or like your own party or like, just like, yeah. If you've ever organized, like, and if you've been to a concert or a festival, like the fact that they had to start it from scratch is like, you go, even as like me, a mere mogul, a mere mortal, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. Like, no, that right. can't, that's not possible. So you, you, so you as a consumer, like audience member watching this with these people that should be industry experts that should know what they're doing. You're kind of, you are, it's, and it's that evocative, like you're yelling at the screen type of thing. Like, what are you doing? What fucking idiots? And, and that's why it's, it's kind of like, well, you deserve what you got kind of feeling as well. Yeah, oh, like, I mean, there are, like, a lot of people involved, but, like, I think what kind of, like, mm. makes it satisfying is that, you know, we as humans like to do, like, a little bit of a witch hunt. Like, we want someone oh, to blame. Sure. Mm. Um, and, like, just seeing uh, Billy McFarlane, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely saying that he is the guy responsible, but it oh, is, yeah. like, it is awesome that we have, like, a bad guy for this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So that's, that's enough, I guess, preamble. So what do you say we get into this, uh, sure. into the fire festival? Great. Um, okay. So what we're going to do is we're just going to go through the history of fire festival, like how it originated. Um, and you know, during the way, uh, so it's all going to be like pretty chron- as chronological as possible. Uh, and we're going to talk about the key players and things like that and what happened and things like that. So, um, Jill, if you have, uh, you know, little insights or tidbits or, you know, even like however, like how you feel, uh, feel free to jump in, you know. Um, so the festival was organized by a guy named Billy McFarland and uh, the famous rapper Ja Rule, <laughs> which already is like, You're what just the like, fuck? oh, I trust those two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, if I exactly. want anyone to run my campaign, it's Ja Rule. Let's get Ja yeah, Rule no, on this. For sure. It's the guy from fucking Fast and Furious. <laughs> Definitely. That's the guy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, Billy McFarland, man, like this, this guy is... Uh, I, I, he kind of makes my screen skin crawl. Like mm. I just, uh, do you reckon like this is again, I know you only like said one sentence, but like this is obvious, like narcissistic behavior as well. Yeah. It's narcissism. And it's also, um, well, like he was charged with fraud, but like, uh, like one of the key elements of fraud is deception. Like, yes. Mm. Like having that, having that ability to like, like outright lie to your investors lie. and lie, yeah, lie to the people who are like giving you money and working for you, and mm. you know the poor fucking people on Exuma Island that we'll uh, talk about soon. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, uh, it takes a lot. And honestly, we'll get to it later. But Ja Rule, 
he, he is. I can't, I can't take He's it seriously. Character. I know. I can't, I can't take it seriously, and I'm not even going to try his voice because my throat will start hurting. I'll so take- I'm pretty sure Matt Matt tried. <laughs> I tried it, and I'm just like, yeah, you can you can deal with that, man. Um, but like, even though he said, you know, I've got no responsibility here. Like, oh, come on, you do, off, dude. Like, yeah. you can fuck off. He's the um, face of the fucking company. Right. Like- exactly. And he, honestly, he is what kind of made me sit up. Like, like I was just like, okay, so Ja Rule's pretty famous. Like, I wonder what the fuck this doco's about. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. he is the kind of the face. Like, you, you wouldn't really watch this. Well, you would, but like Billy McFarlane is not, he's not, no, he's a no name. Yeah, yeah, it's a no name. Yeah. So Jarrell had come to know McFarlane through regular visits to events uh, McFarlane hosted at his previous venture, Magnesis. Um, Magnesis, <laughs> by the way. Was it in the Hulu or the Netflix one where um, literally Billy McFarlane stated that he spelt magnesis wrong? And that I believe people- it was in the Netflix one. <laughs> <laughs> what a fu- if that's just like one like analogy of how like this guy runs business that he spelt his own business name wrong and didn't correct it, like. But it's like go. like what. <laughs> Like, the, talk about a warning sign, right? Yeah, like, talk legit. about massive incompetence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, during a flight to the Bahamas, McFarlane and Jai Rule's private plane touched down on a desert island, a uh, deserted island, which they later discovered was Norman's K, the former private island of Carlos Lida Rivas, a kingpin of the Medellin cartel. Uh, Medellin, obviously, Pablo Escobar. Uh, McFarlane arranged to lease the island from the current owners on the strict condition that no reference be made to the Pablo Escobar connection. <laughs> the island... <laughs> I'm already laughing because it's just it's it's ridiculous. such a ridiculous story, right? The island footage was high, with the hired supermodels used for the festival's promotional material was all shot on Norman's K, and planning for the event went ahead. In early 2017, McFarlane violated the terms of his contract when promotional video for the festival was released on social media, advertised Norman's K as, quote, once owned by Pablo Escobar, end quote. That, that for <laughs> me was when I fucking lost it because that was like in the Netflix documentary. It was pretty yeah. much like that was like the first thing that they did, like they physically did. And it was like that was the first thing they did and it was wrong. Like, again, like just a, another warning sign of like, hey, don't use that, you know, the whole once was owned by Pilot Escobar thing. Okay, cool. Thank you. Next minute, Billy right. McFarlane, like, uses this, oh, once owned by Pablo Escobar, like, in the title. Like. <laughs> so, okay, but here's the, here's the thing. Like, it is, okay, he fucked up hard, hard there, but, like, there's no denying that. But, Jill, you and I studied one unit of advertising at least, right? Like, <laughs> I believe it was called Intro to Advertising. <laughs> um you can see kind of why he put that out there, oh, 100%. right? 100%. I know why yeah. he did it, but it's yeah. just so hilarious that the fact that they were like, oh, you can have this island, just don't say this. And then he was like, yeah, yeah. cool, I'll, I'm going to use it kind of thing. It's like, don't get the gremlins wet. Like, <laughs> like it, immediately. Yeah. It's just like, like, he could yeah. have gone around about to do it, you know what I mean? Like, they could have made, like, yeah. like made blogs of like people like copywriters to write about that it actually is owned, but they can be like, Oh, well we didn't advertise it as that. We just got people to write about it. That's it kind of thing. Or even just like, you know, like somehow got like people to Google Norman's K. Yeah. Like, exactly. I'm sure if you Google it, you'll find out that it was an Escobar owned, you know, like yeah. property. 
Yeah. Um, and then following that, the owners immediately cancelled the freehold. Uh, and then straight after that, a frantic search for a new island venue ensued. After several small islands that seemed like likely venues were turned down, the Bahamian government gave McFarland a permit to use a site set aside for development at Roca Point on Great Exuma, just above the Sandals Resort. Dude, you know the first thing I, I thought of when I heard Sandals Resort? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I didn't even make the connection until now. Uh, Sandals Jamaica. <laughs> I just wish I had a like little xylophone right now so I could make the sound. Get it hot, hot, hot. hot, hot. Yeah. How you like it? Hot, hot, hot. This oh is my. the office, guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm just like reminded of like the 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 nude that Jan sends around. <laughs> and who is it when uh, when they just like call me when she rolls over? <laughs> Oh, my God, yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Tuck. Uh, uh. Reed? No, it's the guy with the bald head. What's his name? Oh. Hunter? Hunter? Packer. Packer. Pa- Packer. Uh, yeah. Tuck- Packer. Todd Packer. Pa- Packer. Packer. That's it. Yeah, Hunter's yeah, the yeah. assistant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> with, the, with the singing voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, material released on social media continued to promote the falsehood that the whole fa- falsehood that the festival was being hosted on Pablo Escobar's private island with maps of the site altered to make it appear as if Roca Point was an island unto itself, which it was not. Mm. Um, like, already you have, like, false advertising, right? Like, that's incredibly, yeah. like, wrong. Um, yeah. Like, it's, it's insane. Like, the, uh, like the, the amount of wrongdoing in this case, like, mm. we haven't even started. Yeah, this is, like, <laughs> one of a thousand. Right. On December 12, 2016, Kendall Jenner, Emily Ratajkowski, and other influ- influencers paid by fire. Uh, so pretty much everyone, like, I hate. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> I, I, like they're, they're beautiful women, but, like, oh, I hate them so much. Um, simultaneously posted on their Instagram feeds an image of an orange square with the stylized logo of Flames. Um, a pretty, it's a pretty, like, good strategy, though. Yeah, so, like, I have this, like, internal, like, monologue whenever this kind of issue comes up, and I feel like we can get into this later, but I feel like this kind of issue is so relevant today where influencers will take on a campaign, a brand, a business, an event, and it's like, do they have the permission to even do their own research and like because now like with the whole netflix special saying like they're uh part of the um like legal proceedings and everything like that because they were the face of the brand kind of thing and they were selling the brand and it's like um but that it's like well we were and i i'm on two sides because they were sold the same story that the ticket holders were really right um So it's kind of like not their fault in a way because they were told like this festival was going to go ahead. It was all fine, blah, blah, blah. And then that was it. And I did their shots and then that was it kind of thing. And that's, and I get that. That's totally fine. But it's kind of like you are such a big influence. Like when they got Kendall Jenner on who has nearly a billion Instagram followers, right? like that is like, if you have that much influence, do you hold a high responsibility? I guess that's my like internal, like, I, yeah, it's just, it's hard. I feel for them, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm kind of on the same page that my favorite people either. So I just feel like I want to like fuck them off too, but it's like, right. wait, no, let's have a human discussion here. And like, yeah, it's I a tricky I, one. 
I think there is a level of like negligence there, but like you yes. also kind of have to remember that like Kendall, people like Kendall Jenner and Emily Ratajkowski, um, who whose net worth are in the millions and like Kendall Jenner's like hundreds of millions, right? If not yeah. billions, um, they've got stuff. Like they've got exactly. managers. Like I'm sure the managers somehow would have done some research or, or something. That's what right? I mean. Like, before, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do it they is have, weird. Yeah, they like. Is it fair? to hold Kendall Jenner and these influencers just, not just as, but like as responsible as like, because they were essentially the ad campaign. Enticing people to come. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think, I think it'll be good. Like if, like if, if they're dragged into this court case, which I'm pretty sure they are, I didn't look into that much, but um, if they are dragged into it, like it would be a good defense, like to show that they did do their due diligence and, you know, they were, like to show that, you know, Billy um, kind of like, I guess, engineered like numbers and shit to show that yes, this is going yes. to work out. So, yeah. yeah, that's I guess that's yeah, that's you're exactly right. That's what they can like claim, I guess, is like, well, we got showed the same figures that the investors got showed kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, that's this true. Is, this is like, by the way, this is my most, the, the most my law degree has been used since I've got it. So, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's working out. It's all uh, worth it, Zoe. All that time. <laughs> uh, all that time and effort and money and, and student money. loans. Yeah. Yep. Hell yeah. Uh, so, clicking the logo opened a promotional video showing Bella Hadid and other models represented by an agency running around a tropical beach. Uh, text with the video promised, quote, an immersive musical v- music festival, uh, two transformative weekends on the boundaries of the impossible, end quote. This was the be- the beginning of the Fire Festival's promotional campaign. Um, I-, I loved it so much. Like one of my favorite quotes probably from like both of the documentaries was one of the um, uh, filmmakers for the ad campaign said like that was Fire Festival, like shooting the commercial was their fire festival because it was like all these super hot models on these private yachts, uh, having yachts, a good time, having a yeah. good time getting Did you drunk. Say yachts? Yeah. Um, fucking <laughs> cool. Bogan. Nice. Um, <laughs> um, just having a chill time, like drinking on the beach, whatever, doing whatever they want. And like, you just see Ja Rule running around being like, like, I feel like he would have been that type of guy that was like running around to people like yelling at them, have fun, have fun, have yeah. fun. Like, kind of thing. <laughs> like, we've got to shoot this now. And like, I don't know. But, like, no, like, I was going to say, there is a scene in like, in the, in the Netflix one where he's like trying to force them into the water. <laughs> and they're all like when all the models are like just swimming probably just having a trying to have a break and just like have fun i love how gyral's like take photos take photos of this shit like kind of thing he's like we should be instagramming this moment right now and everything i was just like oh my god this is hilarious this is just deliriously like insane he reminds me of like someone at like a birthday party, and it's their own birthday party. But like, come this karaoke. Oh, I don't want to do karaoke. <laughs> um, by the way, just quickly. So you said Bogan. I literally on on the last episode of our podcast because most of our Americans are listeners. So 
Oh, oh sorry. Right, right. Most of our listeners aren't American, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can't talk. Um, I had to, like, because we did Mad Max, um, which is right. Aussie. Yeah. Uh, and, Do like, some... one, of the, one of the characters in that is, like, like full-on talks like a bogan. So I, like, had to explain what a bogan was, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> um, but anyway, so an investor, fashion executive named Carola Jane. That's a name, by the way. Jesus. <laughs> reportedly arranged for Fire to receive a $4 million loan, which the company used most of it to rent luxurious offices in Manhattan's Tribeca neighborhood. Wow. With no experience staging an event of the proposed festival scale, McFarlane began approaching companies that did, and he was reportedly reportedly taken aback when they told him the event would cost at least $5 million, perhaps even $12 million to stage in the time available as he had promised. Like, that is already kind of insane. It's big money. It is big money, man. Like, you got to remember, you're not playing with, like, money in the thousands here, right? Yeah. Like, this is, and the this fact is... that it's, it's like an actual, like, like we've said before, this is like a starting from scratch type of event, you know? He's going to somewhere yeah. where it's just, it's literally a deserted island, and he has to build the stages, like, and not only build the stages, but, like, you know, have contractors and engineers there to make sure the sound quality is good and make sure it's safe. And like, there's so much like that goes into, like, I can't even fathom that. Like I, I can't fathom how much even like paperwork would have to be involved in that kind of. Oh, you'd need lawyers. You'd need yeah. insurance. Yeah, for sure. Like this, the thing about this is that it was kind of unprecedented. Like you can like, uh, 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 it sounds like I'm on Billy's side so much, but really like, Billy, there's this kind of like part of it where he's naive as well because he yeah. can't just like go back into this like like history book and see how did these guys do it because yeah. event, massive events like EDC in Las Vegas or Ultra in Miami, like those actually have infrastructure. Like they're in massive cities, you know. Mm. They're not like on fucking deserted islands and, you know, they don't have just this absolute des- deserted like <laughs> desolate area. Mm. It's crazy. And like, like I feel like to people like Ja Rule and Billy, and even you know, <laughs> ja I kind Ja Rule. I can't believe I'm I referencing laughing. Ja Rule. I, know, like, I, know. I never thought in a million years I'd be talking about a documentary featuring Ja Rule, <laughs> but here we are um, on a podcast. We finally with you. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> that's the most surreal bit. Um, but like, and I kind of briefly touched on like the Tanacon thing before, but like I think also. The fire festival is is an example of what happens when delirious people surrounded by yes men are given or are inspired or uh, are told yes over and over again. And it's kind of like he's become either delirious or like he he's lying. He's a compulsive liar for sure. He's a compulsive liar, and he's like sure. the fact that now he's do- he's turned to um, lying to himself as well is especially in the Hulu documentary, if you watch it, he, he, he can't answer a single question straight like that because he, he's actually on the Hulu doco and they ask him like pretty straightforward questions and even some he could even say yes or no to and he just does not answer a single question properly. Like, Do you think? Do you think that might be because of the legal proceedings, though? Like, it it, it could uh, be because he's like 
a lot of it he does say like I can't talk about that because of legal proceedings, blah blah. blah. But even yeah, even yeah. little things like I can't. I'm going to pra- paraphrase, but something like, did you really think you you were going to pull this off, or or did you think you, this would be enough time? It was something like that, and he was just like, um, he he just couldn't answer the question. And even the fact uh, which really stumped me too was um. Because you know how the whole Ja Rule tweet came out being like, I've been, what is it? I've been bamboozled yeah. too. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. That's hilarious, by the way. He, basically, yeah. it's just him claiming that he was also, like, fucked over by Billy. Yeah, yeah but but they kind of asked him, like, well, did Ja Rule know it was going to, like, pretty much be a failure too? And he was like, um... Because Ja Rule was there the whole time. Yeah, right? he was literally you, there. Yeah, You see it the whole time. So you kind of think, well, how didn't even he know what was going on? Doesn't Ja Rule have money too? Like, but And Billy just goes like, oh, he was there. And they're like, yeah, so did he know too? And he was just like, well, he was there. And they're like, yeah, but did he know that it was like how it was going? Did he know what was going on? And Billy's just like, oh, that was our private conversations. And it's like. Right. Like that, what? like you know, you you can do like the no comment thing, but like even that, like private conversations, like come on, like that has a lot of connotations to it. Yeah, exactly. That's probably, if not more dangerous and more heavy right. than if he straight out like answered yes, Ja Rule. And the fact that, and that's what gets you questioned because like, is he either protecting Ja Rule because obviously they want to work together more or anything like that, or like does he does Billy have some integrity in being like? No, Ja Rule had no idea what was going on. Like, he thought it was all great and whatever else and it was fine. And so it was kind of like he was lying to – yeah, it's just like a – either way, man, you look shit, so. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's trying to save face a little bit as well, I Mm. think. So, Billy and his associates at FIRE believed it would cost far less and continued with their plans under that assumption. Uh, uh, This is going back to – uh, you know, the quote that it was going to cost $12 million. <coughs> uh, they tried to do things themselves where possible. McFarland l- supposedly learned how to rent the stage by doing a Google search. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta love Google. <laughs> hey, man, I use Google all the fucking time, but never like when there's so many, like so much at stake, you know? Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, scheduled for two weekends in April and May 2017, the event sold day tickets from $500 to $1,500 and VIP packages, including airfare and luxury tent accommodations for USD $12,000. That's crazy. Yeah, let's talk about this for a sec. So the pricing. Um, mm. You and I have been to music festivals, right? So would you ever pay for something like this? Even if it's just, like, the base ticket? Like, no. <laughs> That's the straight-out <laughs> answer. Like, uh, I wouldn't... Because it's... you got to remember, it starts at $500, right? But, like, you, you know, you got, you, you're got sold people like Blink-182. Uh, I, I can't remember the rest of the headliners, unfortunately. Well, the supposed headliners. But I, I have seen the biggest artists out there in my genre and even in other genres, too, yeah, you, you go but, to a lot. You go to a lot of concerts as well. Like, yeah, what, yeah. what, yeah. I guess you're getting to that. Like, what would you pay? But I would never pay more than I'm going to say maximum two hundred dollars, and that's fucking pushing it. The most I've ever paid is one hundred and sixty-five. And, and that's that was for like, a two-day event. 
And that's like for a festival where you see how many artists, like how many artists yeah. can you see? Like so I'm many. I'm not even kidding. It's like, yeah, there's multiple stages. Uh, like, the, yeah, and it's it's crazy. Like for it to st- for the prices to start at $500, like that is insane. I think like two as well. Like obviously he wanted only the elite people to go. Um, right as well so if not he had some thought process there where he's like well let's maybe jack up the price because only people that can afford this much money will be able to go and those people are most probably like taking care of themselves have good clothes look good like probably have a bit of a following because they like post their good looking bodies and their cool lunches everywhere so like i can see why he would like like if a luxurious let's say like a festival came to Australia where it was like at Sydney Harbour or something like that. And it was like 500 for like pretty much like you're on the Harbour or something like that. It's like a, let's say, let's make one up now. It's like a floating festival around Sydney Harbour and it was going for like a thousand dollars. I probably wouldn't be phased because I'm like, okay, that's a festival for rich people. Cool. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but then you kind of like, I don't know. Look, I I wasn't there. I don't know like the thought process of this kind of stuff, but it, it just seems I it doesn't feel maybe because of hindsight, you know, it's hard to judge when you've got hindsight right, especially yeah. watching the doco, but like the th- things that they were claiming to have on this especially the fact that they kind of claimed it was a deserted island. I don't know how I'd feel about spending that much money to go to a deserted island with a bunch of people that are probably going to be is, doing drugs, going to be drinking a lot. Yeah. Like, it is, it is a bit, yeah. Like, I mean, personally, I, I wouldn't do it. Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm good, man. But like, it, it is, have you seen the social, you've seen the social network, right? Yeah. So when he created Facebook, like there was all these like clubs at, uh, at Harvard, right? I'm pretty sure there still are. But like, um, like he was inspired to create Facebook because, um, like these clubs at Harvard would always invite, uh, you know, I guess richer or well, more well, better off people, and the word they would use is exclusive. Yeah, uh, it, it, like, I, do you reckon that's what Billy's kind of like doing here? Like, I think uh, that's definitely what um he was trying to do. Like, I just think of um, what's that guy's name? Uh, he who Amer- you American listeners will know. I think it was. Is it Abercrombie and Fitch or like, oh, what is it? It's not Gap. It's like the guy well, that um, the guy that owned like Abercrombie and Fitch, Finch, whatever. And they had like the <laughs> the topless models. And he kind of said he like had a statement saying like only good looking people work in our stores. And only uh, we only want like the the best looking people to shop and blah blah. blah. I kind of feel like that's what Billy might have been going for as well. Like he just like you know he you saw not, his not ad, Michael like, Jeffries is it? Oh, I'm not 100 percent sure, but maybe. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. That's a that's a clothing thing. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just feel like that's that's definitely what Billy. I reckon that's the angle that Billy was going for. Like, and that's the type yeah. of people, though. If you look at it as well, that's the type of people that would use his um, app is probably the yeah. people that can spend thousands of dollars just to see a celebrity for like half an hour. Those are the type of people that are going to use his app. And that's pretty much what this fire festival was. It was a promotion for his app. Yeah. Do you want to talk that, about that app for a sec? That sounds total bullshit, by the way. It's like, sad. Uh, you know what though? I have to admit, like I would not use it at all. No, no, not at all. But I know like a few people that, Definitely would. 
A hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> mate, the corporate world would be using this like every Christmas party, every birthday party. They'd be like, who, what celebrity, what random ass 90s celebrity can we get to our corporate <laughs> function to lighten the place up? Like, like a, That's yeah. wild. Oh, okay, like if we had it in Australia, for reference, it would be like, hell yeah, I want the yellow wiggle at my Christmas party. Shit, oh yeah. Like, can you imagine that kind of stuff? Like, it would be crazy. So I kind of like, yeah. even though like I wouldn't use it, I, I, I get it. I do understand. And because like so, now, because yeah, that's something that I couldn't get. I was just like, this is who would who would use this app? Like, yeah, I, it like, was just of, something that. Think of all the like people that want to be like Kendall Jenner, that want to be like that's all true. These, that want to yeah. have like selfies with all these kind of like maybe C to D grade celebrities, but still, they're still celebrities, and they've still probably got like millions of followers on Instagram. If they can like hire these people out to come to their party for like an hour and get a selfie. To them, that's like priceless because maybe then they become more of an influencer and, you know, this whole fucking influencer phenomenon thing that's coming Generation, yeah, bullshit. Yeah. yeah. But speaking of like the whole fire, to get off that, (laughs) speaking of the whole fire, like company, that's what really like is just so sad about the documentary because the people that were working for the actual product seems like they liked the product too, like genuine people that liked that and believed in the product. Like, yeah, this random guy had this like failed business before, but now he's like kind of making this like, like new business with Ja Rule. Okay, cool. Ja Rule, like whatever. Uh, And it seems like it was working to some extent because he had employees that like invested time and effort and everything like that. And that's who I really, really feel sorry for is the, people from the fire company that just got that have debt now because they believed in their fucking CEO. They believed in their boss for hiring them and everything. It's so bullshit. Yeah. yeah. It is it is it is pretty heartbreaking actually. You know what? I never really considered the people who work there. <laughs> I actually <laughs> I actually considered like I I think I was just more blindsided by the 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 poor islanders. Um yeah, than the, yeah. the people who work there. But yeah. Definitely. Um so Customers were promised accommodations in, quote, modern, eco-friendly, geodesic domes, end quote, and meals from celebrity chefs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Contrary to the festival's promotional material, the festival site Fire K claimed to be a remote private island that once belonged to drug drug trafficker Pablo Escobar did not exist. Instead, workers in the Bahamas were busy preparing Roca Point for the festival, scattering sand over its rocks and improving a road to a nearby beach where they built some cabanas and installed swing sets. On the mainland, 5,000 tickets had been sold and an air service was hired to charter festival guys from Miami. A medical services company and caterer was also hired, but the latter withdrew a few weeks before the festival. With only two weeks to go, a new catering service with a $1 million total budget was hired, drastically reduced from the $6 million originally allocated to provide what was promised as, quote, uniquely authentic island cuisine, local seafood, Bahamian-style sushi, and even a pig roast, end quote. Um, yeah, the food thing was a disaster, dude. Mm. That's what really, well, that's what sparked the online presence was that one sandwich photo, really. And I remember when I saw that photo on the Netflix special, I was like, I remember seeing that photo 
doing oh, the rounds. Oh, did you? Yeah, I oh, do. Yeah. I, I didn't see it at all. Like I, this, this whole thing just went right by me. And I, <laughs> I have a pretty good, like, I have a pretty good, like, you know, social networking sort of like presence. Like I'm always on mm. it. So I don't know how this went straight past me, man. Mm. Like there was a lot, but, um, but yeah, the food yeah. was just like. <sighs> The whole, and that's, that's where it gets. So the whole story, when you're watching it, you're kind of, you're kind of laughing because you're like, this isn't going to be pulled off kind of thing, especially. So I'll talk about the Netflix one in general. So you're just watching this and you, yeah, you're just laughing. Cause you're just like this, this guy has no idea what he's doing and the people around him for some reason support him and keep trying to work with him and all this kind of stuff. But then it gets to the – I love – what I really loved about the Netflix special was the intense countdown. Like, oh, that got yes. me on, like, the edge of my seat. Like, when they were, like, three months to go, four, uh, two months to go, four weeks to go, yeah, and then it was, like, a, a few days. That. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was intense. But when, like, the, the day actually came – like that was frightening. Like I was scared for the people there. Like I, I imagine like myself being there in that position. And honestly, I would be really scared for even my safety. Like it seems pretty harrowing. It's, it's wild, man. Like, um, this, this poor lady, um, you know, the, the one that was handing out the food who had like five or six staff members under her and she, how much did she pay Jill? Like out of her own it pocket? It was like 30, 30 or 50. I can't really, I can't really I, remember. I, think, I believe it was high. I think it was 50. 50. Um, yeah. Maybe it was of, 50. Out of her own pocket to pay the salary of these like people mm. um, to feed 400 people. Right. Yeah. I think something like that, but that was like, the- it, it's, it's, it's insane. Like yeah. and by the way, um, awesomely, this is like the like the the positive like you know the world that we live in. Uh, when a documentary as famous as this comes out, like a GoFundMe has been set up for the, that lady, and she's, uh, I think over a hundred thousand dollars was raised for her, which is pretty fantastic. Yeah, because so, she had nothing uh, to do with it. These people just pretty much rocked up on her doorstep and were yeah, like, "Yeah, they fucked her over." Yeah, tragic. Um, so in March, 2017, Fire also hired a veteran event producer, Yaron Lovey, uh, who saw that it was impossible to hold this sort of event McFarlane and Ja Rule had envisioned at the site. I keep laughing at Ja Rule. You can hear like my voice shaking. (laughs) He assumed they would postpone the event to November as they had been discussing since they were not ready. But after Fire told him they would stage the event in the spring anyway, claiming weather would ruin the event. Uh, wouldn't oh, would ruin the event. Lavi told them uh, to abandon plans for temporary villas and instead instead erect tents, the only accommodations that could be delivered in the time remaining. Lavi advised Fire to make this clear to those who had already bought tickets, as otherwise it would be damaging to their brand. He says the company assured him that an email was being prepared, but he is not sure if it was sent. Mm, Yari Jesus. was like, uh, yeah, like. Lavi was in the doco as well. And it, it must, this is again, like, I feel sorry for the people that were involved, but f- to come here to be like, look, you can't do this. Like, and just be, and just be pretty much laughed at. Like, it's just so beyond unprofessional. And like, you're seeking this person's help and advice. And like, instead you're, and they're giving it to you and they're saying, you can't do this. And they're just going, yeah, shut up. We're going to do it anyway. Here's the thing. Like, I think 
see, if you're setting up an event like this where the entire purpose is to have fun and, like, you know, be social and basically be everything that professionalism is not, um, I think people, like, tend to blur the lines between professionalism and unprofessionalism, especially when, like, setting up the business. Like, what do you what do you think about that? Like, uh, you know, you said that um, Fire was pretty unprofessional to Lavi, but, like, Fire, they're setting up this event that's totally, you know, supposed to be unprofessional and laid back and chill and all these kind of, like, good vibe things. Like, do you think they kind of, like, underestimated it? Well, oh, obviously they did, but yeah. still. I think also, like, and, and this just comes down to, like, my own morals as well. Like, you can go to work and have fun, but at the end of the day, a job needs to be completed. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Even, even, you know, we've done some film work before in the past, and it's like, I have fun on set, and that's fine, and I'll talk to my actors, and I'll talk to my producers, and whatever else. But at the end of the day, I want to get that shot that I want to get. You know what I mean? And, like... And, and I'm not wasting anyone's time. Like there's like 20 people maybe that I'm holding responsible for time. So I don't want to run over time. These people are like got like an employee rate of what, like in the thousands that yeah, they have insane. to. And I, I understand that's really overwhelming. Like, but then don't fucking do it. If you can't, if you can't handle it, then don't, don't fucking do it. Or like get a team instead of, you and Ja Rule, <laughs> like, <laughs> just, yeah. I just, I just feel they didn't, like, do, um, like, a report, like, some kind of, like, mm. forecast, like, you know, some kind of, they like. Yeah, they just had this cool idea. It's just rich people, like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it's just, like, they had this idea and he was, like, yeah, let's do it, and they did it without, and again, being surrounded by probably a lot of yes men, it's just, like, they were told, yeah, okay, cool, that sounds like an awesome idea, and you know what? It is an awesome idea. But to be made in maybe like two and a half years, like if they were, were starting to make in 2017, then be like, oh, in 2019, the fire Festival kind of thing. Like shit doesn't happen overnight. Like, it, and that's what they were expecting. They were expecting things to happen overnight. They were expecting overnight success. Billy was probably expecting, I, you know what? I don't know what Billy wanted to get out of this, like apart from the fire, like company to like earn money. I don't know if he wanted to also like be famous, be surrounded by like a ton of models and like have that atmosphere around him because it's like, like, yeah, you kind of go, why did you even try to do this? Because it seems like from the very beginning, you could not pull this off. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's more about fame. I think it's more about success, like, like yeah. actual wealth because was, was McFarland actually rich before this venture? So the magnesis thing, it, it came out that he, and that's it. That's like you were saying before, he was brought, like fraudulently saying that he had all these investments, um, but he didn't. And that's another thing that he was saying that he, that magnesis, his other company made, I, don't, I can't remember the figure, but it made a certain amount of money. Um, so he was like affluent because of that. In reality, he was paying people off. Like, still from magnesis because they had because it was again it was another scam magnesis was just a scam on top of another scam so he was still paying people off and he himself bought a lot of his own shares and so he had this maybe this name and it's like and that's where you kind of look at a person and you go okay you have no credibility because he did one 
business um, that they touch on on the Hulu, uh, gone blank now, but it's some like Google, it's called like Spling or Spling or Splash. I don't know. People that know are going to like be yelling, yeah. yelling at me right now. So he did this one thing, didn't go well, didn't get investments, didn't go right. Magnesis, tried to do it, got a bit of a hype around it, but then people will soon realize it was a fucking scam. And then he tries this other thing. It's like you, you don't, as a business person, you don't go like, oh, I, I have got a massive like record because I've had two failed businesses before. Like that yeah. shouldn't be your resume, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It's bullshit, man. <laughs> Oh, I'm so pissed off. Like the more I like go go into it and like talk about this, I'm so angry about it. Um, okay, so dude, I didn't know about this because it wasn't in the Netflix documentary. Uh, Comcast considered investing twenty five million dollars in the app, which McFarlane apparently hoped would allow him to finance a festival, but declined beforehand. Reportedly, McFarlane wow. had valued Fire at ninety million dollars and was unable to provide. <laughs> Unable to provide sufficient proof of when of that when Comcast requested it. I didn't know that at all. That's insane. Yeah, they briefly th- touched on this uh, in the Hulu one. I, ca- I don't think they mentioned the twenty five million. Jesus, but they do. They d- ha- did mention how like yeah, Comcast was part of their like pretty much helping to sponsor up this fucking event. Um, yeah, but again, isn't that such a McFarlane thing? Like, oh, fire's worth ninety million dollars. <laughs> yes, he's such a, he's just a liar. It's just, I feel like he's just a nine-year-old kid in a, like, I don't even know how old he is, 30-year-old man's body. Like, it's just crazy. Crazy. Um, so, writing for New York Magazine, one of the event organizers later noted that since at least mid-March, there were significant, significant problems with the planning, and at one point it was agreed to outright cancel the 27 festival, sorry, 2017 festival in favor of working to perfect a 2018 one, uh, which is what the right thing should, which is what yeah. should happen. Definitely. These plans, however, were revoked at the last minute with the decisions to go on with the event as planned. Quote, let's just do it and be legends, man. <laughs> End quote. Oh. One of the organizers is reported to have said, uh, which, by the way, I'm sure that must have been said, right? Because like the way they throw around these quotes in like Netflix, in the Netflix one, this is literally that's exactly every line of dialogue that Jarl yeah. and and uh, Bill McFarlane have. The most uh, later in- that- the go, most go, ins- the most insane crazy scene as well was like there's a lot of insane crazy moments, but like after it all fucking like failed and finished was like, then they had this, like they all kind of scrambled together and had this meeting and um, pretty much the people that were working for fire, some of them kind of trickled into help with fire festival as well, but they were wanting to make sure that like, you know, their jobs were safe and that they were like, you know, okay, what's our next step now to secure like our own assets kind of thing. So they're all having this meeting about like what to do next for the company and I love it because Jarrell's just like, all right, so, yeah, we've got all these smart people here, so what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, I don't know, man, like, we just committed fraud. Like, what do we do? And he's like, I wouldn't necessarily call it fraud. Yeah. <laughs> it's dude. just, just like that was That was the moment where I just laughed. Yeah, I'm like, dude, they're two different charges, but one is a tort and one is a criminal fucking thing. Like, that you will be charged with both. I guarantee you. <laughs> and to, to, for paying customers, like, 
that's the same thing. It's like, tomato, tomato. It's yeah. literally the same thing. So you can't go sit there and like, yeah, like you said, you can't go sit there and pick apples and oranges. Like you fraudulently advertised this product and service, you fucking dickhead. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. Um, and dude, this is one of the most craziest things, right? So this whole... This whole thing about, um, you know, the RFID bans and getting them to uh, load more money onto it. So um, after the Comcast deal fell through, McFarlane had obtained some temporary financing for Fire through investor Ezra Bimbaum, Bimbaum, whatever the fuck. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. Hopefully that's right. Uh, they required the company to repay at least half a million dollars of the loan within 16 days. Yeah. Around this, is, this time. This was crazy in the Hulu episode too, because you're like, you're like, oh, okay. He just pulled some random money out, and then next minute, he only has sixteen days. Sixteen days. That is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but five hundred thousand dollars, Joe. Imagine like trying to scrounge that shit up in sixteen days. I couldn't give you five hundred bucks, mate. I don't even think I've seen that much money in my life. Like, like total. <laughs> like, I'm talking like since I started the workforce, like collectively. <laughs> Uh, around this same time, Fire informed ticket holders that the event would be, quote, cashless and cardless, end quote, and encouraged attendees to put up up to $1,500 in advance on a digital fire band, uh, fire band, I was about to say total fire band, <laughs> uh, to cover incidentals according to one lawsuit. Each attendee will be issued an RFID smartwatch-like ID to use in Ireland. This was despite advisors warning McFarlane that such digital bracelets would be useless because of the poor Wi-Fi connection at the site. Wow. Oh my God. This, for me, if I was like, this is the moment where I kind of, I wouldn't say I lost all sympathy for the festival goers, but this is where I was like, this is where you should have been like, this is a scam kind of thing. Yeah, because it, it, it is they, like... I mean, like, there's a little bit of buyer beware here, right? Like, you gotta yeah. be, you gotta you do a little bit more digging, right? Because mm. I'm pretty sure at this point, the only like marketing that Fire had put up was just the that promo video with the models, wasn't that? Isn't that right? Yeah, and then but then this this is also because this was a few months after that like advertising video, and this is when um one of the that guy that like pretty much he's a was it, what was he a financier or was he a lawyer that like found out because some of his like musical friends were in the festival some of his mates were kind of like talking about fire festival whatever so he started doing his own digging around and he found out that it was pretty much like a fraud um and these photos some photos were being leaked and so he started tweeting out some of the photos and being like fire festival was a fraud blah blah so you, i guess like you get you get like one person with not a lot of following Versus saying that like fire festival is fraud versus jar rule being like this is gonna be the coolest shit ever. So you kind of go like, oh whatever, everyone has an opinion. I'll yeah. listen to I'll yeah. listen to jar rule. Um, <laughs> but then you get this like email being like, you need to give us three to five hundred dollars. Yeah, that's where I'd be like, I just paid you like at least a thousand dollars, depending on like if people bought like a fucking villa or whatever else. Twelve thousand for the villa, but uh, five hundred exactly. at least, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. About two million dollars was uploaded to these bracelets, forty percent of which, according to the lawsuit later filed by Burnbaum, was used by McFarlane to pay off the short-term loan. Wow. So it's just like it's just a, re- a cycle of like money being pushed around. 
It's it's misappropriation of funds, and it's just totally dishonest, uh, and it's absolutely fraud. Like there's 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 no doubt that there's deception there. But uh, yeah, let's talk about what happened at the venue at the actual fire festival. Oh, this is when it, this is when my anxiety strikes. <laughs> <laughs> Early in the morning of April 27th, heavy rain fell on Great Exuma, which soaked the open tents and mattresses piled out in the open air for guest guest arrivals later that day. So... That was just, like, the icing on the cake, I feel like. Yeah. You know what? I... I, When... um, Was it Lavi who said, when it started to rain, we all just started started laughing. laughing. And, like, at first I was like, wow, that's evil. But then I thought, like... No, that's just what, that's just a human condition when you're faced with like just the absurd reality that you're living in. There's nothing else to do. Laughing out of insanity, dude. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely imagine that. Um, Also, yeah. did did we mention there's just fucking shitty mattresses in those tents? Because that's bullshit, man. I'm like, did you see that shit? Yeah, that was, that. it literally looked like... Because they used tents from like, did they say Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina? Katrina. It literally yeah. looked like from Hurricane. FEMA. Yeah, it literally looked like Hurricane Katrina had hit this. Happened. Like yeah. happened, and people were just like scrambling for tents, scrambling for mattresses that were still had. Kind of lucky they had plastic covers over them because of the rain. Otherwise, that oh, would have yeah. like been even worse, I guess. But there, but, they, there were like mattresses that were soaked through. Yeah, like, and that's that's what I get too. Like when I see when you see that vision of all those tents and it's just like, and they're just open tents. Like there's no security. There's no like locks or anything. Like I honestly, I would be scared for my safety and they are so lucky that no one got really badly injured or hurt or like even abused or assaulted or anything like that. Like very, very lucky that nothing happened like that, that we know of. Yeah, that we know of, like, because I mean, uh, four hundred people. You got to remember, man. Like, there, mm. there would have been, there must that'd have been, because have been stuck on an island all day, waiting and drinking in the sun. <laughs> yeah, like, because there was uh, okay. I'm, I'm forgetting his name, but the, the old dude with the red jumper, the, the, the gay uh, guy. What was his name? Oh, uh, the I don't know, but he's the savior. <laughs> He is. So, do you want to talk about what he did? <laughs> so, oh, oh, was about that's to just do great. Honor? That's just great. That he, you I can love tell him us, too. Tell us, Joe. Go, um, go for gold. So he was. Um, he was an. This, he was an event, a, event advisor. But this is just a prime example of like how narcissism works as well, because these people bring like suck you in as well and manipulate you to think that what you're doing. And like delude you, and what, so to delude you to do things for them as well. And I definitely feel like this guy, fuck, what was his name? Was just deluded to help Billy because he trusted I'll, I'll, I'll him. I'll try and look for his name. Just keep talking. Yeah. So, and it, so he's helping Billy, and he's doing whatever he can to to do to make sure this pretty much make sure this goes as safely as possible. He's the kind of guy that's always like spreading in the corner, and you really feel sorry for him because he admits to like working like 12 hours a day and then going home and finishing a day and just crying because he just thought this is not ethical. This is not safe. This is not, this doesn't feel good for me to do as a job. Like, and that's a pretty shitty place to be in no matter like how rich you are, what you're doing for a job or anything. That is a pretty shitty place to be in. And then 
he was actually back in America doing some PR event or something. And Billy asks him. Sorry, sorry Joe, let me just jump in. So his name is uh, Andy King. Oh, and he was a king. <laughs> yeah, he was a god. By the way, um, just quickly, he was <laughs> he was offered three TV shows this week. Yes, from notable I, networks. What, do you know? Do you know what the TV shows would be around? Like what? Like no. <laughs> Is no. it about sucking dick? <laughs> I, yeah. What a pal. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. What a pal. Tell us. All right. Dude, tell us the rest of the story. Yeah. Uh, so was it the fact that the water was in customs? Yeah. So uh, customs in. Um, the, the Bohemian uh, customs wouldn't let through the water. Uh, and yes. basically, yeah. And that guy, and was it like someone at customs wanted their dick sucked? And so they, yeah. well, who do they call? They call the king and is like, Billy called the king and was like, no, I, need I don't even do- think, I don't even think like they wanted, like the way the Netflix like um, documentary made it out to be. Yeah. It was just like, you need to come down here and suck yeah. some dick. Like, yeah, yeah, because you never see it from like the 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 customs officers' like perspective. It's just like Andy King just saying, "Look, this is what happened." I got a call from Billy saying, "Hey, uh, you got to do this. Will you suck? Will you suck dick to fix this water problem?" And it's crazy that he was being literal because when I when he first said that, I was like, <laughs> and then he was like, yeah. So I went down there. I had some mouthwash and blah blah, yeah, and I was ready to car. ready to suck someone's dick, and I was just like whoa like he was for real like that's how far he was willing to go to make sure the people at this festival had bottled water like yeah hats off to andy king man <laughs> hats off to you you deserve all the tv shows in the world totally mate. man seriously i would watch that shit well i wouldn't watch some of this shit but like <laughs> <laughs> oh man um so the first flights from miami uh to exuma Operated by Swift Air and Extra Airways, landed at 6.20am, which, by the way, um, the fire staff were hoping that it would be late, but it was actually yeah. on time for once, or early, um, I believe, early, right? Mm. Uh, that afternoon, Blink-182 announced that it was withdrawing from the festival, stating in a Twitter post that, quote, we're not confident that we would have what we need to give you the quality of performances we always give our fans, end quote. Crazy. Uh, by the way, I just listened to a podcast uh, on Joe Rogan's uh, podcast with Travis Barker on it. Uh, Travis, ba- wait, Travis Barker is he the, the lead? Is that- no, he's the drummer. Am I- yeah, sorry, the, yeah, the drummer. He's not the lead. My bad. But yeah, he's he, he was a good podcast. Pretty good. Because <laughs> cool. uh, Joe Rogan needs our fucking support. <laughs> um, <laughs> initial arrivals were brought to a quote impromptu beach party at a beachside restaurant where they were applied with alcohol and kept waiting for around six hours while frantic preparations of the festival site continued. Dude. Okay, so I remember once, yeah, I remember like standing in like lines at Future Music Festival for like an hour and I was like, when the fuck are we going in? Six hours, but like, come on. (laughs) And the fact that like you're not prepared for that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just blindsiding you. Like you're just like, oh, wow. And and add to the fact that on the drive-in, you're seeing this shit. Yeah. You? No, no, no. The, or is the drive-in after? The drive-in is after. But it's just, it, yeah, and that's okay. just, but they're just making also another safety issue is like these people are on the beach in the water drinking like, and, you know, where if you live near a beach or 
a tropical place, you'll know that like in the water or on the beach is like the worst place to just be sitting or standing and drinking because you're just going to get so yeah. dehydrated. And like, so these people are just like, and they, and they don't, I don't necessarily know, but it seems like they weren't really notified like a countdown. It's not like they were like, all right, yeah. guys, we're going to be leaving in three hours. So um, get your drinks. On. So they're probably just like thinking, oh, we're going to get picked up any minute now. Let's just like pre-drink as much as we can or, yeah. you know, whatever else before we have to, before we go to the like site. That and they don't even have their luggage as well, right? Mm, like that's it's just, scary. Yeah. Yeah, that is scary. Fuck that. That's like my worst nightmare when I travel. Oh, God. Um, later arrivals were brought directly to the grounds where the true state of the festival site became apparent. Festival, go- festival goers were dropped off at the production bungalow where McFarlane and his team were based so they could re- be registered. But after hours of long lines and process, uh, the process broke down and turned into a free-for-all as people rushed to claim their own tents. So uh, I guess the villa shit is off fucking. It was literally rails now. like it was Lord of the Flies shit. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in like, the in survival the, of the fittest shit, it was. And in the Hulu um, doco, um, it was someone. I don't think it was anyone. It was someone from the executive, like a, a, some form of producer of the event or something like that, got there and saw this like massive amount of people and were like, okay, let's just try and give them like a ticket or something like that. So they opened up their laptop and they tried to like get names and like hand tickets out and be like, okay, you're like number one, go find a tent. All right, cool. You're number two, go find a tent or whatever else. And so they were, they said that they got, got through about half the amount of people. And like, there was about like, what did you say? 400 people on the first day that arrived. Yeah. 400. Yeah. So they got through like a lot of their people, but then all of a sudden Billy comes out and he stands on that table and then people are like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And he just shouts, go get your tent. And then everyone, everyone just like scrambles and runs and just goes for it. And and that's the when it just turns into like. A, this guy who has like no knowledge of PR or safety. Like yeah. it's just, oh, man. That, that's what I can't believe is like, I know I've said it before, but I honestly cannot believe no one got like seriously injured or overdosed yeah. or like hurt or like because it was just tense like if i was if i was going like you know i'm gonna play i'm gonna play the chick card i'm gonna play it like if (laughs) if i was going i would be like as a female like i would be really worried about my safety if i was just going with like one other girlfriend as well i'd be very worried for our safety um so i can't imagine how like people felt even if they did have big groups like just that mentality of like a free for all. And you know, that one guy on Netflix, who was just saying he was peeing on tents just for the sake of it or whatever. Like what a fucking douche. Like, that's what I mean. It was just like anarchy. And it was like, they didn't have law or they didn't have uh, guidelines, like nothing. It was. And then when the, the scary bit too, was when they just turned all the lights off and it was just pitch black, pitch black. Yeah. Imagine like that sinking feeling or just the, just the, like the split second of surprise when like you hear Billy McFarlane say, all right, everyone go run to a tent. Yeah. Like what? Like and, <laughs> what, and what seeing, the fuck did I pay for? And seeing the tents and knowing that there's only like probably 300 or something. Right. Exactly. And just uh, being like, fuck. <laughs> there's so also reports the, from. I was just going to say no, go too, it was, it was funny in the, Hulu doco when these so they interviewed a few influencers and one influencer just happened to get 
some mansion or something like that. And she, and they were like, uh, so you happened to get it? She was like, yeah, but we felt really bad. And then they like cut to a clip <laughs> of like her dancing around the mansion and being like, whoa, we made it. And it's just like, you're oh fucking, my God. You're fucking dead. I do, I do want to check this, check it out. You did link me that, that Hulu <laughs> one. So, cause we don't have Hulu here, Hulu here, guys, in Australia. So, nope. yeah, that's a thing. Um, reports from the festival emerged of various problems, including the mishandling or theft of guests' baggage, scattered disaster relief tents uh, with dirt floors, some with mattresses that were soaking wet, a lack of housing assignments causing guests to leave with uh, to leave with no place to sleep, an unfinished gravel lot, a lack of medical personnel or event staff, no cell phone or internet service, portable toilets, no running water, inadequate and poor light, uh, poor quality food. Um, and heavy-handed security. Uh, many attendees were reportedly stranded as flights to and from the island were cancelled after a government order that barred any more planes from landing. Wow. Yeah. Dude, I hate waiting at any airport, even for a scheduled flight. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is insane. How crazy I, I, was it when they, like, locked them in the airport? Yeah. <laughs> They literally locked them in the airport. Like, is this, like, false imprisonment? Like, what is happening here? One guy said on the Hulu docu, like, one reason they gave is because, like, they obviously were staying there at the airport um, and they locked him in because, like, if one of them left outside and they lit a cigarette, then an explosion could happen or whatever. That was their, like, reason for locking them in. But that's just – I would be, like – because I'm claustrophobic too, that would just – Freak me the fuck out is as the, well. Is the <laughs> island made of methane gas? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> um, the first flight back to Miami boarded at 1.30 a.m. on April 28, but was delayed for hours due to issues with the flight's manifest. It was cancelled. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was cancelled after sunrise and passengers were locked in the Exuma airport with no access to food or water and no air conditioning. Passenger recalled that at least one person passed out from the heat and had to be hospitalised. The flight eventually left Exuma the next morning. Uh, the more and more charter flights to Miami departed from Exuma throughout the day. This is like, this is like Moses getting the Egyptians to cross the fucking sea or the desert. Like this is insane. <laughs> oh boy. Um, should we get on to the aftermath? Yes, please. Let's get on to the aftermath. So. Uh, as a result of the festival, McFarlane and Ja Rule are the subject of a $100 million uh, lawsuit in the state of California. It was filed on behalf of plaintiff Daniel Jung by entertainment lawyer Mark Gagaragos, uh, who is seeking class action status for the lawsuit with more than 150 plaintiffs. Uh, you're lucky you have like like that little amount of people, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Per the, per the filing, Jung's lawsuit uh, alleges fraud, breach of contract, uh, breach of covenant of good faith, uh, negligent misrepresentation. So uh, basically the firm pledged to hold, quote, all those who recklessly and blindly promoted the festival, end quote, accountable, which was interpreted as being directed at Jenna, Hadid, and other social influences, social media influences. So there you go. Um, and a lawyer stated Fire Festival sent decent, um, sent cease and desist letters to whistleblowers, which again is pretty full on as well. So, uh, second class action was filed. Um, not really going into that one. Third, third, third lawsuit was filed in New York. 
uh, against Ja Rule, McFarlane, and Fire Media, uh, and Chief Marketing Officer Mark uh, Grant Margolin. So we didn't really talk about him, but he was also kind of like in over his head as well. Mm. In the documentary, you saw him losing his mind, man. He yeah. Was he looked like insane. a crazy person, like a legit crazy person. He did. He did. Um, but let's talk about the criminal investigation because there's these massive, like, obviously, like, actual lawsuits, like, you know, uh, so you got, so, what, it was a seven, eight, uh, nine, nine lawsuits, <laughs> right? But then you also got the criminal investigation. So uh, New York Times reported McFarlane and his associates were under an active federal criminal investigation by the FBI for mail fraud, wire fraud, and securities fraud. The case was overseen by U.S., uh, by New York uh, and McFarlane was arrested and charged with one count of wire fraud on June 30, 2017. Um, okay, so I want to talk about because when was he on bail? Oh, yeah, remember he was a, <laughs> so because <laughs> so on March 16, uh, he pleaded guilty to one count of wire fraud, uh, and yeah, so he was ordered to repay $26 million, $26 million to investors. Um, I can't find the part where he was on bail because... Yeah, it's just crazy. Okay. Like, a cheater doesn't stop. Like, Yeah, talk about what happened when he was out on bail. Like, This is where it's like he, I say, like, he is a narcissist and he is delusional because... He thinks he got away with Fire Festival. That's the thing. He he definitely believes he got away with it. Um, and so he's in his penthouse apartment, and he's onto his next scam. Like he, he, the crazy bit was like he was just that he wanted. The crazy bit that I don't understand is that he wanted it filmed as well. He was like he when he called up his filmmaker mate and was like, "Hey, can you come over and film this shit?" I that's why I'm like this guy is delusional like this guy is crazy like why is he doing this what is he also want the guy it? that filmed it was a bit like he looked like a bit of a psychopath uh, right oh uh, yeah for sure like i mean <laughs> i'm not yeah. judge. yeah but yeah and then he's just onto his next scam now and the fact that like see he's just using someone else's face someone else's voice but he's doing the exact same thing again with the with the email so he's got all these people's emails now because because of the fire festival that's like a great power, you know, having all those uh, contacts and everything. Mailing list, yeah. Yeah, and now he's just firing off these. And look, people are stupid. <laughs> Let's just get down to it. People, not everyone is going to see like a spammy email and be like, that's fucking fake. I'm just going to delete it and not read it. Let's say out of a thousand people, maybe a hundred will read a scammy email and be like, okay, this seems pretty cool. I want to get like exclusive tickets to see backstage, like Beyonce kind of thing. I'll, I'll take my chances and I'll spend like $300 to get a ticket or $600 to get a ticket. Um, and it's just a fucking, again, he's doing it again. Exactly what he did with like the money situation, trying to like get the money that he was in debt from the fire festival of Magnesis. He's doing it again with this, uh, emailing what what did he call it what's he calling this email thing or or yeah, frank, is it, it was frank or something? something or like the person that's yeah, emailing frank, them frank, is... frank at something yeah vip yeah. something yeah fucking weirdo yeah man i i just 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 like while being out on bail dude <laughs> like you know yeah. what i mean it's this is a like, warning sign if anything to stop what right. you are doing <laughs> 
exactly. Um, but essentially, uh, he was you know throw, he was put back before the court again. He was caught uh, in that like in that scam again. Um, and man, like it, it just I, I don't I don't get Billy McFarlane. Like I get him. But, but then it's, it's just, I don't he, get... Yeah, but then it's like, again, is he surrounded? Because who would work with him? You know what I mean? So he must be surrounded by just as delusional, just as, like, narcissistic and yes-man type of people because who would honestly work with someone that has been told you cannot do business anymore? You can't do fire, like, festival anymore. You can't work fire. Like, you, you can't do, like, business. Like, you just shouldn't be doing business anymore. And yet, who would go and partner up with this guy. Yeah, like, so June 12, 2018, McFarlane was charged with selling fraudulent tickets to events such as the Met Gala, Burning Man, and Coachella while out on bail. On October 11, 2018, McFarlane was sentenced to six years in federal prison. He is currently incarcerated at FCI Otisville in Orange County, New York. <laughs> so, even, like, even, like, his girlfriend is all, like, because his girlfriend features on the Hulu special and she's just saying, oh, like, really? okay. yeah, and she's and she, she's just saying, like, oh, you know, I just love him so much. And, and, look, each to their own, like, everyone has someone kind of thing. But even if you love someone, if and if you really did love someone and they were doing something wrong, you would say, you are doing this wrong. You are wrong. You need to stop for their own well-being. But I just feel like, again, he surrounds himself with people that support him. So therefore, he probably won't ever change. I guess. Yeah, I don't think so, man. Like, I mean, you know, one of the when I when I studied um, the like the there was a unit at uni called Issues in the Criminal Justice System, and like you know we do. Like we learn about like what the what, like what the main obviously purposes are of of prison of prison time, and like you know while you do have that um, that punishment part of it, like a big part of it is rehabilitation. Mm. And um, honestly, I don't think someone like this can be rehabilitated. Like that's just my like Dude. from just from just from what I've seen from like the Netflix stuff and doing a little bit of research. This this guy is like he's got evil on his mind. Yeah, you know what he's doing in prison now? He's he's teaching inmates uh, about the music industry and uh, how to uh, like record music. What? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> did he get did he get did he get all those like skills from Jarrell, the very yeah, successful rapper? Yeah, probably passed it off. Like, I, is he trying to get his own again? His training in grooming people because no one will work with him. He's like, oh, these people will be out in like 10, 20 years time. Maybe by them I can do business and they'll be yeah my workers. Like, I like, apparently he's doing well in prison. Like, like he actually kind of like runs the place. Like he's kind of like an alpha male. Did you hear about oh, that? Oh my god, no. Of course, yeah, he is. he's uh he like he must have like because this is obviously a guy who's really good at manipulation so yes 100 percent. it would it does not surprise me man but um mm. yeah man that's he, that's he the- probably still believes like he probably still believes that he's not in like the real prison you know what i mean because like yeah. again in like the hulu like doco they were like have you thought about prison and he was like no nah, that, that really hasn't registered my mind yet 
kind of thing. And it he's just, just in this state of denial. Yeah, and I still feel like even though he's in prison, he probably just thinks like, oh, this is like, this isn't like the real prison. This is just like, you know, this this is like, I'm not in prison. I'm just in like a, a form of a prison. Yeah, I'll be out soon. It's fine. Yeah. I can six, just go back to doing my shit. Yeah, six years and I'll be, again, I'll be in my penthouse doing the same fucking fraud again. For sure. Oh, six years is so long when I think of how long it took. It, that's how long it took me to do my degree. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's so fucking long. <laughs> felt like the same oh, sentence. Yeah, pretty but much, pretty the, much. The, the thing I was looking into too about the Netflix doco that's really come out, uh, especially in the in the last uh, day or two, um, because uh, the Fuck Jerry social media account uh, posted a lot about the fire festival and obviously in the Netflix docker, they mentioned how, um, they were even told to delete comments that were kind of like negative as well. Yeah. Um, and in the, uh, Hulu doco, one of the ex people that worked for fuck Jerry, who was working on the campaign, like filtered out comments with like certain keywords such as like literally it got as bad as if you mentioned festival you would be blocked from fuck jerry really yeah if you mentioned uh plane arrival i can't remember the exact words but like um food accommodation flights uh yeah like anything that they were getting like comments on, they would filter them out and users would be blocked. And also like they mentioned how, um, when people came, cause no one was answering emails on the fire front. So they would come to the fuck Jerry accounts when they, whenever they posted about fire festival and then ask them questions and like, um, inbox them questions and stuff like that. And so people at fuck Jerry were like just deleting these bad comments because again, they would, they said that they were just told to do, like what fire said. And that's what they said. They were just like deleting all this negative, like uh, press about it kind of thing. Um, But if you, like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, the reason why the Netflix doco, first of all, looked amazing and like was so, I'm writing it now. It was so fucking seamless was because Jerry media helped, was like there filming it and like have, they made the Netflix, they helped make the Netflix doco as well. So they were kind of like behind the scenes and therefore this is kind of like, and people are saying this is their way out of the responsibility that they had because they helped produce a doco that made it come, the fire festival come to light. And that's, that's where people users are a bit angry because they felt like the Jerry media misled them and distrusted them because ultimately they should have been like, no, we're not deleting these comments and taken some responsibility kind of thing. But, and again, like you have to kind of look at the fuck Jerry guys because um, they were just three guys. And now the whole fuck Jerry festival Instagram account is getting um, a lot of backlash because comics for, ages now have been saying that fuck jerry just steals content which we like as a consumer i followed fuck jerry for a while as well um before i really got into reddit and just realized everything's just like from reddit pretty much um that it's obvious he just steals memes from like funny twitter accounts or whatever else and because he's got a bigger audience like honestly a lot of people well, yeah i 
I'd heard of Fuck Jerry for the first time literally last week. Um, Are you serious? I I shit you not. Honestly, (laughs) maybe I came across it once and not even realised it because there's so many, like, internet meme pages out there. Yeah, exactly. But, like, I came across it because um, this actor, his name's Paul Shear, um, he actually has a really good um, podcast called How Did This Get Made? Uh, it's one of Matt's favorite podcasts. It's, it's one of my one. favorite too. Mm. It's definitely great. Um, he posted, you know, unfollow and report fuck Jerry because um, they're stealing like comedians like stuff and making money off them. So yeah, and yeah. so yeah, that's kind of come hand in hand with this whole situation because like people are finding out that they mistrusted them, blah blah. And then comics have been saying for a while, well, yeah, they've been stealing our jokes. They've been stealing our material. Like, um, or uh, Pat, uh, is it? Pat Oswalt, I think his name is. Patton. Sorry? Patton? Patton Oswalt? Yes. The chubby guy? Yeah. Yes. He was like heavily campaigning the fuck, fuck Jerry and Tom Hiddle. How do you say his name? Hiddleston? I don't know. Yeah. He made like a big. Sorry? Are you saying Loki? Like Tom Hiddleston? No, 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 no. Oh. No, a comedian. Oh, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I don't, I don't know. Mate, that like, would have been yeah. fucking great. <laughs> I was like, fucking Marvel. Like, there's a Marvel actor calling him out. Like, what? <laughs> that would have been yeah. someone else. Um, no, but yeah, all these comics were pretty much coming out being like, fuck, like, fuck, fuck Jerry kind of thing um, because of the whole, like, content uh, situation and everything. Uh, Tim Heidecker. Sorry. He wrote oh, okay, a song. Right. He wrote a song called "Fuck Fuck Jerry," which started the whole hashtag "Fuck Fuck Jerry" kind of situation. So I guess people now are realizing, like, oh, I was just min. Like, you kind of watch this doco and you're like, holy fuck, that was like. On it, I will admit, it's a fucking great documentary. It is a amazing documentary, and I do recommend people watch it. Um, but then you do feel this level of like manipulation because, yeah, you you do feel like they're trying to cop out of their responsibilities in a way because they pushed this event, which they knew uh, pretty much wasn't going to work. And um, one of the people behind the social media accounts for five festivals on the Hulu uh, doco. And he was just upfront with everything. He was being, he was told like to delete comments and blah, blah. And pretty much they came out of meetings when they had meetings with the people from fire and they were like, holy shit, this is just not going to happen. So the people at fuck Jerry definitely had the hindsight of as well, like that this event just wasn't going to work, but they continued to promote it. They continued to delete negative comments and all that kind of stuff, which I think the fuck Jerry page probably does definitely does have more of a responsibility than probably like Kendall Jenner, let's say, because she, was probably showing the figures and whatever else and then just went home. You know what I mean? She just went home and yeah. did, her, did her in life. Whereas these guys are actively seeing their users complain about it and have to put filters on their uh, posts because they're getting such negative feedback and they're, they're and they know, and they're having these meetings. And then afterwards they walk out of the meeting and they go, that's, this isn't going to fucking happen. Um, and one of the, in one of the statements in the, one of the legal statements, um, the fuck Jerry guys say about, uh, the guy from in the Hulu doco, let's just call him John. Uh, they, cause I, I'm so bad with names. Um, <laughs> they, they pretty much stated like John does not represent, um, the fuck Jerry 
corporation. We do not agree with any anything that he mm. has said, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, would, did you want to comment on that? And he was just like, fuck those guys, <laughs> which I Ooh. thought was just great. Yeah, so he, and, and you know what? You don't see a lot of people, like you watch these documentaries, and I especially, I don't know about you, but sometimes I watch these documentaries about people or a business and it just fails like this. But then the people still work for the company and you go, how can you still work for this company even though it just miserably failed? Like, okay, maybe if a new team leader came in or whatever, but at least this guy from Fuck Jerry, he left. He was like, this is fucking shit, whatever else. Yeah, I know he's like, CD. he bailed, yeah. Fuck this kind of thing. So I have, I, I trust him, you know, kind of thing because at least he had a bit of integrity there, I guess. Dude, I hadn't heard any of this. <laughs> like, yeah. this is all new information to me. I'm like taking all this in. <laughs> Holy know, shit, it was man. crazy. Yeah. And like, and the fact that, and this is, I guess, just goes uh, another conversation of how like production companies can definitely manipulate our point of view, because then you're questioning, like, obviously everything that happened in a fire festival was a fucking disaster, but then you kind of go, cause you watch it and then you see that Jerry media made it and you go, how much of this did you manipulate and how much of it from the whole Jerry media or fuck Jerry corporation is there that you aren't telling us kind of thing as well. Yeah, I mean, like, when you when you watch a documentary, I mean, as much as it should be objective as possible, like, you have to remember that it is being made by a person, like someone, and yeah. we as human beings, like, th- there is no fucking way that we can be objective as possible. Like, we say mm-hmm. it on the podcast all the time, like, we, like, whenever we, like, talk about a movie, we try and be as objective as possible, but, like, I mean, you know, we've got, we've got... Humans have feelings, guys. Like yeah. seriously, um, and there there will always be some kind of like point of view that'll come 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 out of it. You know, like even if it is like you know somewhere in the background or somewhere like kind of hidden, like there 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 is like something there from the filmmaker um, that will kind of like shine through, even if they do say, "Well, no, I'm just showing you the facts." But that's not really always true. But, exactly, yeah. and I just this is like. Like we said too, this is a great documentary, and I still would advocate people to see this documentary. And you know, I would even advocate because you know we've both done film studies before, and you're told to watch a lot of uh, film. I would definitely have this as a recommended documentary to watch and to research about because of the whole uh, Jerry Media as well thing, and and to make your own assumption. I think that's definitely it too, is to make your own assumption and. At the end of the day, it is a good documentary because it hits every nail on the head as well. And that's why I will even say if you don't like watching documentaries or if you don't really, not really into that kind of vibe, it's a fun documentary. It's like we said, no one gets seriously, well, especially in the Netflix one, you don't see anyone getting seriously injured or hurt or any health scares or anything like that. So it's it's easy in that way because a lot of docos are, are pretty, like, brutal. Grim, yeah. Yeah. But this is just something fun and to watch rich people have a horrible day is always a bit of <laughs> bit of fun as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it, it does start off uh, very light and very fun, but, mm. I mean, like like all good documentaries, it kind of goes into something a bit deeper. Of course. Uh, and by the, by the end of it, um, you do 
Dude, I, I nearly cried. Like, that poor, like, Islander girl, like, who mm. had to give 50 grand out of her own pocket. I was just like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, And the pe- there's, wasn't there, like, two people? It's been, like, a few weeks when it came out. I saw fire. But um, there was, like, a few people at the fire company that have, like, $200,000 in debt because Billy used their identity. Oh, like, I didn't say that. Yeah, it was the guy, he, he was kind of, he had a beard. Uh, he worked for like fire, not fire festival. He like worked mainly for fire and that, and he was kind of saying like, uh, are our jobs safe because fire festival fucking failed. And like, he, he now is like in $200,000 of debt because Billy apparently like used, um, like people, like his employees, his fucking employees, like he used their identity, like, and they're like, Jesus. Like, think about trusting someone, like your own boss, like that. That's fucking crazy. That's messed up, man. Mm. Oh, evil. Jesus. Evil. Evil. Evil, evil companies. Well, <laughs> I think, uh, like, we're, we're about to wrap it up, but let's, <laughs> I've said the best for last, last right. Ja Rule tweeted on 21st of Jan <laughs> 2019. I too was hustled, scammed, bamboozled, hoodwinked, let it stray. <laughs> Dude, oh, how did he uh, manage to spell bamboozle? I didn't know that. Like, I mean, it's got more than five letters. <laughs> oh, shit. Come for Ja Rule. You coming for Ja Rule? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am Ja Rule. Yeah. What do you got, Ja? <laughs> That's fair enough. Oh, man, but I feel like that can someone in the universe. You know how in Parks and Rec, how um Tommy's yeah. Tommy um what makes a beat? What's that? What's his song? That anyway, like he does it have a good sound? And that got turned into a song. Do you know what I'm trying to reference here? No, well, I don't remember. Who's Tommy? Uh sorry, uh Tom. Oh yeah, Tom. Have a Tom. Yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, how Tom? All I remember is treat yourself. Yeah, of course. But like he, like, what makes it beat? Does it have a drop? Does it have a certain sound? And anyway, someone on the internet turned that into a song. Can someone please turn oh Jarl's tweet into a song? That oh, would be. Some, I'm sure someone has. I'm, I'm sure it someone is has. out there. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's going to be out there. But how but blind l- is Jarl? What a fucking He's idiot. like, like seriously, like uh, there is no way you're escaping, like, yeah, you know, nah. you're escaping this. You are literally in the private meeting saying it's not fraud. It's not it's fraud. Not fraud. Like, it's just false advertising, guys. Oh, come on. Fucking ridiculous. But you know what's fucking crazy ridiculous. as well is like now that Fire Festival, it's gotten so much attention now, especially because it's on Netflix, you know, uh, and, and the whole memes and tweets and all this kind of stuff. Now people are wanting to probably go. Like if they released Fire Festival, hundred percent people would go and people would pay just to yeah. experience it themselves. That's the sad that's the sad reality. This is like bad press being good press, like any mm. press being good press. Yeah. Mm. It is it is pretty negative, but I'm sure a lot of people will do due diligence before they go, right? Like mm. um they'll they'll, you know, hopefully look into it and shit. But Man, this is such a like a cautionary tale into like uh, like doing your research before you know buying into things, but also from Billy's side, like knowing when to quit and knowing yeah. when to give up the dream. Like mm. that, knowing that it's itself, okay to man. say it's okay to say no, and it's okay. Yeah. And I think also like for people that work with Billy's of the world as well, like don't be afraid to give constructive criticism. criticism and if they turn you down, that's a reflection on them. It is not a reflection on you at all because 
people like Billy, like he's getting his just desserts, you know, he's getting what he deserves. So I think as well, like, you know, I kind of was thinking, weren't people telling him no? Weren't people saying this can't be done? And they were. There were people telling him this could not be done, like feasibly, legally. From the beginning. Yeah. And then he just did not want to hear it. Um, And that's just, like I said, that's a reflection on him. And I'm just glad that people still continued, even like days before the event, they were saying, we can't do this. We can't do this. And he just did not listen. fucked up. Mm. Yeah. Well, anyway, Jill, let's wrap this up. Um, do you have anything else to say before we head out of here? Like um, about the podcast, about about the about Fire Festival. Um, that it's. I'm glad it's finally been something that we can agree to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We will. We honestly will find subject. It's like we were. Okay. So here's another one that I just remembered. We were going to talk about the haunting of Hill House as well. Yeah, we <laughs> like, were. But I, I don't know. That just fell through. Like things just fall through, guys. Like we will, we'll find another and it's one so eventually. Funny. Like most of, if you were scrolling through our like messages to each other, it's just like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Did you watch this? <laughs> like, and it's just like either one of us going no, or I'm nearly finished no. it, or I don't like it, or like it's like yeah. it's like we don't have conversations. It's like we just list TV shows to each other now. Yeah. Like <laughs> you could just we're, message we're just- me. Like a random TV show, and I'll just reply yes or no now. Like, like my entire friendship with you is now based around the production of the podcast. <laughs> oh <God>. That's so <laughs> sad. <laughs> so maybe in, in another um, year's time, another doco will come out. And no, fuck it. that. We're doing Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. We're doing Game. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but guys, uh, dude, Jill, thank you so much for joining me on this, man. This was this was a great talk. I did not. I did not think we would talk for so long. Like, me, I, I, I was like, we got to fill this time out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was like, this is gonna be like a forty-minute episode. Like, if that, like, I'm just like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, like, because I don't know too much. But you, like, I, I completely underestimated how much research you'd done. Oh. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> Backhand compliments. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. I've just been, I've just been dishing them out, haven't I? Oh, I love um, it. It's only compliments but, I'll receive. Oh, please. You're you're fantastic. You are great. <laughs> All right. No, 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 um, no, no. no. This, <laughs> but this podcast has been great. Um, I, I love how this episode turned out. Um, Jill, tell us where, you know, our listeners can find you and things like that, you know, where you want to be found at least. <laughs> well, if you want to, <laughs> like, reckless. yeah, if you want to see the random, like, memes and shit that I post on Insta, Probably like go to my Jolt account. It is Jolt J O L T with three underscores. Mainly just post about um, just the latest TV shows that are happening. But I also like will uh, give you updates on. I do have a YouTube channel with a few uh, video essays. So if you're into even like film studies or anything like that, and you want to give like uh, listen to some of my film video uh, video essays, that'd be sick. And I'm just starting a new website soon. So deets about when that goes live. And it's pretty much just like uh, opinion pieces on the latest TV shows, kind of like what Zoe does, but in type form pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't have the patience for typing. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, seriously, thank you so much for joining me on this. This was this was a lot of fun, actually. Like yeah. as sad as the story of fire is, it it is actually pretty pretty, pretty interesting fun. to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, well, I had fun too. Guys, thanks, thanks, Jill. Look, you're you're always welcome here. Like seriously, yeah, if we can find if we can find something, if to talk we can about. agree on something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'll t- I'll talk to you about. Uh, we'll have all of our theories and like 
misconceptions about shit. yeah oh, what's yeah. gonna happen game oh, of thrones yeah. for sure that's gonna be a whole nother thing that's gonna be oh. a two-parter man like that's gonna oh. be massive oh. <laughs> Uh, it sucks because I can't talk to like either Matt or the other, or Colin like about it at all because they don't watch Game of Thrones. So. I'm your girl. Yeah, I'm hitting you up. But um, yeah. anyway, guys, we hope you enjoyed the fire episode. Uh, this was a great episode again. Uh, Midnight Double Feature. You can find us on Facebook. We got two pages. It's Midnight Double Feature, which is our main page, and then we've got the after party as well. Uh, and we're also on Instagram, which is at Midnight Double Feature. We're on Twitter, which is at MDF Pod. Uh, and remember to rate and review us on iTunes if you can. Uh, that would be really, really, really much appreciated. But yeah. um, again. Thanks, thanks to Jill for joining us, um, and we will see you next time.